Side and sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. So, just kind of leading up to here, this is some of the most important, powerful scriptures of the Bible. I mean, this is finally we hear from the word, words from the mouth of the Messiah himself. So, this is m- massively important. Uh, and so, I want to build it up in our minds this morning that what he says and what he does is should be the heart in the soul of what we do as Christians. If as a Christian, we're all about Christ, then here is Christ. And this is initial words. We've seen initially his, you know, kind of appearing upon the scene, his interactions, his message in general, uh, his calling of disciples, and his ministry. And going from his ministry and what he does into now his message, his this. This discourse, this sermon, is called the Sermon on the Mount, because he goes, as we see here, on a mountainside. Okay, but look, so really, let's get context into our minds. First of all, what is he doing here? He's not powwowing with the the religious leaders. He's not trying to make a um, case for his religion. He's not trying to make a, um, he's not arguing for a philosophical viewpoint. He is with people. And he's with people who are down and out. He's healing people who need to be healed. He's feeding people who need to be fed. He is there ministering and loving and caring. God in his kingdom is interested in healing, restoring, building. Okay, Not interested in making big interesting points for the sake of it. Not interested in ego, arrogance, pride. A name. He's interested in doing, healing, restoring. Again, Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua. God saves, saves. He rescues. So the whole, very everything coming up to this point, and even in the name of Jesus Himself, is all about restoring and healing. And so now He sees all these people, and that's why I put that picture of kind of loathsome-looking people, kind of looking up at you and I, because this might be something what Jesus was probably looking at. He wasn't looking at sophisticated people, and he wasn't interested in trying to impress the religious thinkers of the time. He was looking at people who were pretty down and out. They were sad, they were downtrodden, they were slaves, a lot of them. They were, a lot of them were homeless, hungry, um, sick, deformed, and, and they were just looking, okay, Jesus, this is, what's, what's going on here? You know, this is, we're glad you're here. What, what's, what's this all about? And so he goes, I need to instruct them. I need to teach them. And so his heart, his mind, the setting is with these people, these down and outs. And he sees the crowd. He sees them. And he's compassionate for them. And he moves. And he didn't move to get away from them. If you, if you look at the Galilee and you look at the scene, there's, there's these natural contours on these hillsides. It's like an amphitheater. And back then, they didn't have PA systems. And so what they would do is they would have these, build these amphitheaters that were acoustically built so the sound would kind of hone in and it would, 
it, w- it would multiply the sound waves so that people can hear from great distances. In, in the contour of the land was kind of like that. So for him to move up onto a hillside was actually to set himself up so he can address the people and be heard by the most people as possible without you know, electronic sound reinforcement systems. And so there he is. He wants to be heard. He wants to reach out. He wants to give the message. He's going to preach to the people finally. Here is Christ's sermon. Here it is. So he set up, and his disciples, rightfully so, come to the front row. And of course, you and I, I would hope we would consider ourselves more than just the multitude, more than just the crowd, but disciples. And so we, too, come to the front. Okay, Jesus, what are you teaching? The message is for the disciples, but it's for the multitude. It's for the crowd. It's for everybody. And so he goes to preach. And he says, um, starts talking about the blessings. The blessing. Who is blessed? Who is truly blessed? You know, who's really well off? And that's the idea here. You know, in, in this time, you know, you know, religion, you know, politics, you know, wealth and the redistribution of wealth, all these things. You know, who is well off? Is the ones with stuff or the ones without stuff? And so he's going to start talking about blessings. Blessings, but not just any kind of blessings, not just redistribution of wealth, but divine blessings. Blessings that come from God, that can only come from God. Blessed, divine, oh God loves you, oh God cares for you, oh God looks for you, oh God is in control. Oh, God has a plan, oh God. And that's these blesseds we're going to see here. So he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Interesting. Because, of course, if he was talking to the Pharisees, Sadducees, they would probably argue with him and disagree with him. What do you mean, bless the poor? That doesn't make any sense. Why? Because there was a gross misconception at this time. If you can do the next slide, please. And again, like I saw, I put the picture in the last slide of the hand, because the reality is these people came with their hands out, dirty, mocked hands, saying, Jesus, please help. Jesus, please cure us, heal us. You know, but who does God bless? Does God bless these who come to, with their hands out, or does He bless those who have? And so again, the misconception is this: you know, who's really well off? You know, um, who are the people of God's kingdom, and who has you know, His favor? So we have you know the haves, you know the the, the rich, the successful, intelligent. Secure, you know, with their insurance and their money and their livelihood, you know, the popular, strong, happy people. People are just a bit prone, but kind of naturally just happy people. You know, and, you know, are these the ones that are really well off? In our culture as well, in their culture, you know, we need to think. You know, when we talk about somebody who's well off, is this the kind of things we're thinking about? Of course, we have the have-nots. You know, the poor, brokenhearted, the stupid, the widowed, the orphan, the disabled, the down and outs, etc., etc., etc. So who truly, in, in your mind, my mind, and again, culturally speaking, who are the ones who are truly, generally well off? And, you go. Um, and so the misconception, again, is this. The kingdom of God must be, God's kingdom, God's ways must be for the haves, obviously, because their life is so good. They're divinely blessed by God. I mean, look at the rich, they're successful, intelligent, they're secure, popular, strong. I mean, this, the, the, the must be blessed. Um, the mission is something right. And the others, they have nots. They must have offended God. And that was the idea back then. If you were sick or poor or widowed or orphaned, 
then, then somehow some, you either you offended God or somebody before you and your family offended God. That was the idea. This man's blind. So what he, what he, did his parents sin or is it he who sins? None. He's here to glorify God, to give this opportunity that God's glory may be given. That, so this is a misconception in our day and age. It might be the same case. I don't know if it's as strong as it was back then. But I think maybe inside of us there's something that tells us that, oh man, this, this, look at this guy. He's really got together, you know. But look at these people who are poor. Uh, they're just lazy and stupid and dumb and you know, they're, 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 they're less, lesser people. But that's not what Jesus thinks. Jesus stopped and spent time. He spent his whole life with not the haves, but the have-nots. <laughs> Is that what you're laughing about? Uh, I was wondering. <laughs> like, there's something up there. But, yeah, so that misconception is false. You can keep going, Gary. <laughs> yeah, that's false. <laughs> so, now we're getting to the good news. And like I said at the very beginning, the good news is good news. It would be bad news or miserable news or not so pleasant news at least if the good news was, guess what? Jesus is here to powwow with the haves. If you're rich, if you're blessed, if you're financially, if you got it together, if you're smart and powerful and popular, man, Jesus is here to be your buddy because he drove a Lexus and he wore designer suits. False. Misconception. Good news is good news. And because the good news is good news, it's this. Jesus is here for those who really need Jesus, who really need God, who really need a touch from God in his hands. And that's what he's doing. He's healing people, and now he's going to start opening his mind and his heart and tell these people. And the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, guys, know that you're blessed. I know the world and the society has told you how unblessed you are, but scrub that from your mind and consider, embrace the fact you are blessed. Are you, in verse 3, verse 3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Are you a spiritual zero? You don't know the Bible very well. Maybe you don't know it at all. You know, theologically, what the heck's theology mean? Doctrine? What's doctrine mean? Apologetics? Don't even ask. Do you feel that way? That's all right. But you're not a spiritual zero. You see, the kingdom of God has been opened for you. This is what he says. You might feel like, like these Pharisees and these Sadducees who are oppressing and thumping them and telling what they should believe, and they have all these ridiculous, huge amount of laws. These people were like, I don't know. I try so hard. I try to get together mentally. I try to, you know, I, I can't even afford a, a proper sacrifice. And so, you know, and I just don't, I, I don't have it together. I'm spiritually just done. I can't do it. He's like, don't worry about it. You know why? Because the kingdom of God is here for you, and it's free. It's accessible. But... What's it worth to you? Is it really worth giving your full attention to and your heart to and your mind to? You see, it's, it's available for those who are born in spirit. You are blessed. The kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. It's for you. Next one, Gary. And then verse 4, it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. Widowed, the orphaned, to be a widow. In, 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 in Christ's time where he was ministering, to be widowed is to basically sign yourself up to a really disgusting, depraved kind of lifestyle. Not by choice. You know, a lot of women, if, they, if their husbands, say, went off to war or died in work or whatever at an early age, you know, they'd be treated as second or even third class citizens. A lot of times they'd, they'd be forced into prostitution and whatnot. You know, just, just to make by. You know, they lose their children a lot of times, and so therefore their children be orphaned. That's a sad thing. 
And, and, and of course, the misconception is, oh, well, they offended God. They don't, they're not worthy of God's kingdom in, in, in Christianity or whatever. That's bogus. That's false. Like Dwight told us. Are you widowed or orphaned? Lost? Scared? I think of that. Do you feel lost? Scared? You, know, not, not, you don't have that parental love. You don't have that partnership. Well, guess what? You're not. Is your father who's in heaven, God, an actual real being, who's an actual real father for you and for I, he is at hand, he's here, he's with us, and he's with us now. But the question really is, but is it enough? A lot of times we, we, we're not satisfied with what we have. If we're married, we're not satisfied with our spouse. If we have children, we're not satisfied with our family. If we've got a nice job, we're not satisfied with that. If we've got you know, a nice home, we're not satisfied with that. And sometimes it goes the same with our God, who's our father. Sometimes we're not satisfied with him just being there to comfort us. Next one, please, Gary. So verse 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So are you disappointed that you've been skipped over? The meek, they're the kind of the quiet type who kind of let life happen to them as opposed to making life happen. So life seems to just kind of pass them by. They're, they're peers, they're family members. They, seem to, they, they do all right in life. They do exciting, fun things, but us, we just kind of, life just seems to pass, drift by. Maybe we feel like we've been dealt a bad hand in the game of life. Eh, kind of wish I was somebody else, maybe. That's the meek. But no, you're not. Look around. This is yours. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Look around. This is yours. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is God's world. This is God's kingdom. Satan has wrongfully squatted on it. However, it belongs to God. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. But we need to be plugged into what God's will is in prayer and in obedience. Next one, please. So verse 6 says this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. So, are you kind of this tired of injustice? You watch news. I don't watch news anymore because I'm sick of injustice. <laughs> tired of injustice? You know, the, the screwy economy, you know, everything's gone south. You know, it's kind of hard to make your budget end, you know, it's kind of hard to make things ends meet anymore, you know, trying to chase around from shop to shop just to make your buck stretch because our economy's so messed up because of injustice, politics, government, you know. Or maybe it's our own failings. We just can't get it right. We can't get the budget right. We can't, you know, our, our life is fragmented and it, and it drives us nuts. Well, guess what? Justice is God's job. And he, he sorts things out. So we just need to relax. That's what he says. Listen, we understand that things are wrong. You know, of course, he's talking to many people who have got all, who, you know, they're, they're sick of seeing you know, the rich, you know, probably lorded over them, especially with this idea of, well, we're truly blessed of God. This is not right, you know? And, and they're looking at themselves, and they like, I wish I was right like these people. And he's like, stop that. Just chill out. Let God have you. Let God heal you. Let God, he's given you his son. Do you not see what I'm seeing here? God sent his son to heal these sick people, to heal these down and outs. And he's saying, listen, you have everything. I'm not hanging out with the rich. I'm not hanging out with the popular. I'm not hanging out with these religious stuffy butts. I'm hanging out with you. Just relax. Next one, please. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Beautiful one. And the reason why I wanted to focus on this is because sometimes those who are merciful can 
be looked at as being those who just kind of prone to be taken advantage of. You're merciful. You give, you care, you hand out, you have, you have a heart for others. But yet people look at you and say, well, they're just to be taken advantage of. No, you're not. No one takes advantage of God, and he's got your back. God is the God of mercy. God's not taking advantage of. You might think, like the cross. Oh, God was taking advantage of. Christ was taking advantage of on the cross. No, he didn't. He knew exactly what he was doing, and he gave. He gave freely. So, what do we say to that? Keep up the good work. This is, this is Christ's way. This is what Christ does. This is what he's preaching. Blessed are the merciful. They will be shown mercy. In verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When I was looking up the word pure in heart, it's the ones that try to just make sure everything just fits. That, it's not that they were perfect themselves, but they want to make sure, because nobody's perfect, but they want to make things perfect. They're, they're the fix-it people. Gotta make sure everything's just right. And so that's why I thought the perfectionists, you know? You know, they're always frustrated because they're always trying to find fault in everything as well. Like, oh, let's fix this, let's fix that. You know, going back to like the economy and, and the, <laughs> you know, the politics, they, they, they're, they're frustrated. Ah, you know, God, come fix this. God, what's going on here? This is so wrong. And uh, for those, bless the pure in heart, they will see God. Stop looking around at these things, the world, and the worldly solutions, and the worldly problems, and keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes on God, because He is the one who is perfect. Blessed are those who are perfectionists, the pure in heart. They shall see God. In fact, here's the irony. They're looking at Him right now. They're like, okay, Oh, this world's falling apart. It's so, we, we want to get it, we want to fix it, but it's just so out of this world. And he's sitting there, here's Jesus, the Son of God, sitting there preaching to him. You're looking at him right there. As, you look, as we're looking at Christ, the scriptures, as they're looking at Christ, the sermon, they're looking at the one who's perfect. He's there. So, to that, stop being so miserable. <laughs> stop being so miserable. Again, just relax. Because God, Jesus is with us. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We need to stop chasing our tails around and start learning how to access the power that God has given to us through his spirit, through his kingdom. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they we call the sons of God. So are you always trying to make peace with everyone? You know, trying to put all those little forest fires, trying to make everybody happy and cool. Well, if you're one of those, you know that sometimes people get really frustrated with you and call you a pain in the so-and-so. Even though people get frustrated and they call you all sorts of crazy and foul names, like a pain in the so-and-so. You're not a pain in the so-and-so. You're a child of God. Again, see the heart's desire, they just want to see right. They can't do it. You see, all, you see the, how it was consistent in all these scriptures? These are people that want to see good things, but they just can't. You know what I'm saying? You see, it's very consistent through all these attitudes. They can't get it done because nobody listens to them. They probably physically are thrashed. They're probably, they have no money. They have no, they have no pool. They have no clout. But they want to see things go well. Does that feel like you? It feels like me. <laughs> want to get things done, but just can't because nobody listens. But you know what? What Jesus says? You're blessed. Why? Because yours is the kingdom of God. Because God's going to be mercifully. He's going to be comforting. He's going to be filling. He's going to be, you're going to be seeing him. You're, and guess what? You're also called the child of God. So, you are beautiful, no matter what they say. 
I almost feel like I want to write a song about that. <laughs> no. Next one, please. Okay, verse 10. Blessed, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. There's the kingdom of heaven. Verses 10 and 11 are very similar in the, in, in the idea I've always hear when, when, when taught this, and I think it's right. It's not about blessed who are per- persecuted or getting thumped because they're being irritating or they're getting themselves in trouble. It's just talking about those who are persecuted or being thumped because of righteousness. Because of this general attitude we're seeing, they want to see things fixed. They're sick of the injustice. They're sick of... the. the, the the fragmented society and world and life and all the problems and woes are sick of their own failings and misfailings. They're sick of it. And they just want to see healing and restoration. And they do the best they can, but because of that, they're, they're getting met with trials and opposition and persecutions. That's what we're seeing here. Suffering harassment from being a whistleblower. That's, why I, that's kind of what I thought. You know. Well, heads up. The kingdom of God is near you. Heads up. The kingdom of God is near you. Next one, please. Um, and so now he, he, he gives us a list of others who have gone mental for God's kingdom. You know, those crazy Jesus freaks, the Bible bashers, whatever you want to call them, you know? And that's found in Matthew, I'm just going to read Matthew 5, 11, 12. And as I'm reading it, look at this, you know, those who have been insulted, persecuted, lied about because they are Jesus freaks. Well, these are in good company because the world was not worthy of them. Think about that. That's we're not going to see here in Matthew, but we're going to, I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. So read this and embrace this as I'm reading these verses. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who are before you. You're in good company. God's people tend to be persecuted because of righteousness sake. And that seems to be the way. And this is the first thing he speaks about. First of all, these people, they already know persecution. They already know hard times. So he doesn't need to be telling them about it. What he's trying to do, he's trying to lift their spirits and say, you're blessed. So these people already are persecuted. He's not, these aren't well-off people who says, listen, you know, you're going to be persecuted. Oh, that sucks. These people are persecuted. <laughs> They know what persecution is. They know what it's like to be a widow. They know what it's like to be orphaned. They know what it's like to be down and out. They know what it's like to be hurt. They know what it's like to be sick. They know it. And so he's trying to lift their spirits up. He goes, listen, I'm here for you. God's kingdom is for you. Now embrace it. Listen, all those prophets you hear about in the Old Testament, they were persecuted too, weren't they? Yeah, I guess you're right. We are in good company. Next slide, please. Let's read Hebrews 11:32 to 40 together. It says, um, and what more shall I say? Do I not have a, do, I, I do not have time to tell about Gideon and, and, and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. See, so sorry, he starts talking about the, the success stories, the power of God, and, and the wonder, the kind of the, the positive outcomes. But there's also the, the negative outcome, but still God's people who were faithful and are called men and women of faith. But yet there were others who were tortured, refused to be released, 
so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sought in two. They were killed by the sword. See, don't think being a Christian is going to solve all your problems. Being God's people, being a Marikotsky is going to solve all your problems in a temporal sense. It's an immortal, it's an eternal blessings. And we're going to see a lot of these eternal blessings. And that's what God's scheme is all about. First of all, the idea of resurrection. Hey, I'll give it to God. I'll give it all to God. Because we're going to die anyways. So I might as well give it to him now. Go ahead, stone me. Go ahead, kill me. For You know what? Because I've got something that's eternal, that's everlasting. The resurrection, that is an indication to it. They went about in sheepskins uh, and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And this is beautiful. We talked about the world. Remember several weeks back about the love of the world and talked about you know I consume, I want, and then now acknowledge me. That's the way of the world, not the way of God's kingdom. And I like this idea. The world was not worthy. Does that? Do you feel that way? Do you feel like you're not worthy of the world, or do you feel like the world's not worthy of you? Listen, here's the good news. Because good news is good news. The world is not worthy of you. That's a bottom line. They persecute you, they mistreat you, they think you're a daft Christian. The world's not worthy of you. Who, are you, are, are you their child, or are you God's child? You're God's child. And God's children are blessed because they have that relationship that's wonderful, it's beautiful, it's pure, it's excellent. Here is God, here's him sending his son, and he's coming to all these down and outs who feel like they're totally not worthy of anything. Pick up your head. Pick up your spirit. Because it's the opposite. You've been lied to. That's a big lie from Satan. The world is not worthy of you. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all con- are commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us. So that only together with us would they be made perfect. So again, they suffer for our sake. But ultimately, together, we will rejoice. We will celebrate and uh, in eternity. And so in conclusion, I've got one more slide, I think, maybe two. So just thinking about this list, this, this blessed list, this list of beatitude, this list of those who are blessed. Who else could we add to our, our list of blessed people? And people we work with, people in our lives, people who we struggle with, people who maybe are, are children, maybe you know, our moms and dads, whatever. Who, who else would we add on this list? Ourselves, the things in our own lives that are a bit screwy, that we don't like about ourselves. What, what, what kind of things would we add to list? Uh, this, is, this is what Dallas Willard put on his list. And so uh, look at us. He, said, he put this. Blessed are the physically repulsive. Blessed are those who smell bad. The twisted, misshaped, deformed. The too big, the too little, the too loud. <laughs> that would be me, I think. The bald the fat, and the old. For they are uh, righteously celebrated in the party of Jesus. That's interesting, isn't it? I think, again, it's, it goes back to that misconception that the beautiful, the intelligent, the savvy, you know, the, the ones we, we, we celebrate from sticking our faces on TV all the time, the ones they force down our throats, that's the image we get of, 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 of blessedness and blessed life. But we think, but I was, I was thinking about what, what, what uh, Francis Chan says, you know, about he was preaching to the Simi Valley Church, you know, who are 
sickly rich. And he's talking about how, like, you know, it's just, we're, that's a minority. You know, there's people all over the world who live off of just about nothing. And, you know, God's just as much for them as he is for anybody else. And that alone, they may not have the same kind of standard of life. But you know what they have? They have God's, and God's eternal touch. And God's, God's kingdom is available to them. You know, just as much he is to anybody else. And that's a beautiful thing about the gospel. Is it, is it, it's, you know, I, that's why I like, you know, because I think if you come to some churches, you might say, you want to, to know God in his ways, you got to come to our classes and you got you to learn, you know, our method and our theology. And, and they kind of want to brainwash you. You know, that's what I kind of feel like. But I like what this is. He starts off by saying the complete opposite of what you expect. You don't know the word of God. You don't know Jesus. You don't know the Bible. You don't know theology. Hey, that's cool. Just get to know me. That's all you need to know. And so that's what I would say to, to a person who struggles with that. Especially the verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. If there's anything you want to get to know. You now, bear in mind, theology, apologetics, you know, doctrine, I, they're very important. And you know I think they're important because I, I, I instruct the kids, you know, and, and even the adults about it sometimes. But that doesn't make you blessed by knowing it. What makes you blessed is knowing Christ and knowing him deeply and knowing him purely. And here he is. These people are able to know him because they're seeing him. They're listening to him. They're engaging with him. So too, with us, we need to learn. We need to put the practice of simple relating to Christ. And let him build that. And if you become some mass theologian someday, well, praise God. It's not important. It's great. We can use you. <laughs> but the important thing is this. Blessed are those who feel like they're spiritual zeros, who are, are a bit shallow in their walk, whatever. But get Christ. Get to know him and build that relationship and engage with him. <laughs>